Welcome to Conversations in Business with RSM, where we talk to business leaders and experts to gain valuable insights that will help you move your business forward. Welcome to Conversations in Business with RSM. I'm Louis Quintel, CEO of RSM South Africa. Now more than ever, the digital space has become vitally important for organizations. The last year, organizations across the globe have been forced to adapt various online practices at a rapid pace to ensure they remain relevant. Whilst a simple website may have been sufficient not so long ago, this is now no longer enough to stand out from the crowd. Today, I'm chatting to Jacques Debrani, Managing Director and Co-Founder of Flu, an award-winning full-service digital marketing agency based in Johannesburg and Cape Town. Jacques has a marketing degree from UGEN and a postgraduate degree in brand management from Vega. He has lectured in digital marketing at the likes of Gibbs and regularly contributes thought leadership to the industry through various publications. Prim was founded in 2013, services numerous multinationals and local blue chips. Thanks for joining us, Jacques. Thank you for having me. Great, Jacques. Um, kick off, I think the, the online space has been important for businesses for quite some time now, um, even with business without the e-commerce element. But that goes beyond just having a good website these days. Social media is yet another key element. Um, what are your views and factors that business owners should be looking at to build a competitive online presence? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I think historically, marketing uh, has, has evolved from, you know, placing an ad uh, after the eight o'clock news, uh, you know, that's about 30 years ago. That was, that was marketing, right? <laughs> if you wanted to, to speak to people, you put an ad after the eight o'clock news and, and, and today, you know, 30 years later, um, you know, it's so complicated. Where, where do you put your uh, business and messaging in order to resonate with your target audience? And the way we look at it, and, you know, if you, if you take a step back, maybe about 10 years ago, this, 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 this whole idea and principle of, integrated marketing communication was uh, in every single textbook that you read. And, and what it really meant was how do we integrate all the elements of marketing so that they all speak the same language? Because we can't show up differently, uh, you know, on a TV ad or a print ad or a billboard or in the, you know, if we're doing PR in the media. Now that digital's come around, it's, it's added even more complexity. So how do we uh, market competitively in the online space? Um, and I think that the same applies. It's not just about online. It's about integrated digital marketing. And what I mean by that is that we can't just think about social media or just think about our websites or decide, okay, I'm going to place ads on News24. Uh, we have to think about the full picture. A competitive online presence, and, and again, it depends on the industry, whether you're a uh, very niche sort of business to business or your business to consumer it depends on the types of channels that you'd use. But a competitive online presence is one that looks at the full picture and goes, how are we ranking on Google? How are we using our understanding of how people are searching on Google to inform our content that we're putting out on social media and the content we're putting out uh, for, for PR? How are we using our understanding of paid media. Uh, so the ads that we put out, the, the people clicking, landing on our sites, how are we using the information we're gathering on our site to again inform who we should be targeting on paid media? Uh, you know, how are we using our, our database 
to, to do direct marketing? What are we learning there and how are we reapplying that into our, our, into our search marketing? You know, so you can understand what I'm saying is it's a big picture and it's integrated and every single element of online marketing needs to be connected and speak to one another. Because at the end of the day, it's all about information, analytics, and data. If we don't understand what it is that we're doing, then literally we're starting from scratch every time we go out with a message. And that's just a waste of money. So the more we understand, the more data we, we collect, and the more we can analyze it and interpret it and uh, go out with a second uh, piece of information or marketing, uh, then we're iterating and, and we're becoming more targeted. So that's what I would think is a competitive online presence. That's great. Great insight. Thanks, Jacques. Jacques, I think certainly um, during the course of lockdown and post-lockdown, many businesses have, have moved from the traditional physical stores to an online presence, um, everything from conferences to events also going online and virtually, but, um, and become an absolute must for brand vision online. But it does come with a certain level of reputational risk in terms of use of social media and online advertising. Well, what are your recommendations on managing the potential reputation risk around the brand online? Yeah, so, so that's a good one. Uh, look, I think that social media communication of businesses that were, I suppose, in brick and mortar and have now moved to, to selling online, I don't, I don't believe that social media would necessarily have changed. Um, the only thing that would have changed is their distribution model or how they do business really uh, and it's, it's not happening online but that doesn't change whether you're in brick and mortar or you're online doesn't change the fact that people are talking about you online so yes that brings in the question of social media how do we make sure that we're uh, managing potential uh, reputational risks online well the first thing is that we need to make sure we understand our audience <laughs> It's, it's remarkable to me how many businesses don't actually understand who their audience is or who actually shops uh, in their stores, you know. Um, and I think therein lies the key to, to unlocking the, the idea of what type of content, what type of messaging are we putting out there. So that's, that's kind of like the proactive piece. But then there's the second piece, which goes, what if people start talking about us? What, if people, what happens if people start saying negative things about us? What if people start, you know, um, saying that their delivery took twice as long or we didn't? I mean, I, I had an experience like that uh, with, with, the, um, with the store over the sort of November, December, January period where we had uh, ordered um, kind of like a new uh, sort of cover for our couch and we had promised it would come in December and it only arrived late Jan, you know, and that's the perfect example to go into social media and, and kind of create some reputational damage for this brand. Um, and the thing is that the, the, the main way to manage reputational risks is to be honest, is to, is to own the conversation. Uh, what, what, what we often see is businesses shy away from conversation. They go, Oh, I don't think we should say anything. Let's, let's just let, let it blow over. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe in a few months people would have forgotten, but what you really need to do is own the conversation. And, and I love what um, I think I heard an interview uh, many years ago on, on 702 with a, um, a reputational risk sort of a practitioner where they said, there's three things you do. The first thing is you state what happened. So as a business, if something happens, you want to manage your reputation, say what happened. It was delivered late. We, we acknowledge this is what happened. Second thing you do 
is you is you acknowledge or, or you say what you're going to do to fix it. So this happened. This is what we're going to do to fix it. And then the third thing you do is you say, what are we going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again? And I think those three things are probably the key principles in managing any reputational risk online. What happened? What are you going to do to fix it? And what are you going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again? That's quite insightful, Jacques, because I think many, many businesses out there don't actually take the step. As you said, they, mm. they go to the silent approach and hope it goes away, but online presence is, is always going to be there. The complaint will always be there online. Yeah. Look, in, in, in very rare occasions, uh, the, the community manages your reputation for you. So I was actually, um, about two days ago, I was, I was sitting at a, at a business, uh, it's kind of like a business owners forum where there's about six of us that get together. And, and, and one of the business owners uh, started his own mountain bike brand <laughs> about, few, about six years ago. And, um, and he was telling me about how people come online and complain about the, the, the mountain bikes, but that the community actually uh, ended up managing the reputation for him. The business didn't have to say anything online. It was the community that then came out and said, no, dear person, you're talking about the brand, you're talking rubbish. This is actually the fact. This is actually the truth about it. So in some instances, the community will manage your reputation for you, but that's very rare. So, John, I think with e-commerce specifically, there's a certain level of expectations from the consumers when using the websites, from, from security to protection of personal information, quick turnaround time. I suppose there will also be the infrastructure behind that logistics in terms of once you place the order, and have the stuff delivered on time, as you said. Uh, yes. What are the key elements for a successful e-commerce site? So, the, the, the answer to that question is, is actually quite complex. Um, so, I mean, we've, we've built quite a few e-commerce sites in the last two years and, and especially in the last 12 months, because, uh, even, you know, with, with COVID and lockdown, a lot of businesses are, are, are saying, look, we need to be able to sell online. So we've seen a massive spike in businesses going, we need e-commerce. And so we've built some e-commerce for some, for some pretty big brands in, in South Africa in the last 12 months. And one thing we've realized is that. Um, e-commerce has more to do with just your site. Your site is, is one thing. Yes, the user experience needs to be great. You've got to make it easy for people to do business with you. Don't hide things. Yes, those, those things are quite obvious, right? And, and there's this whole thing of uh, the, the Nielsen group. They're, they're based in the US and they're, they're kind of like the authority on, on user experience online. And they've got this thing called the, the pyramid of trust, uh, where at the bottom... Um, someone enters your site and, and establishes some kind of baseline relevance to go, is this for me or not? And then they move up this triangle kind of to the next level, which says, yes, uh, you do have what I need. Or um, the next piece, which is then, uh, uh, yes, uh, I do want to do business with you. I'm right to the top of this pyramid where it's like, I'm willing to give you my information and continue on an ongoing relationship. So that's kind of like the whole pyramid. But Despite that and building trust into e-commerce, one has to also understand the market. Um, we've, we've done a lot of research into, into e-commerce and um, the types of people who, who are buying online. And, um, you know, if you take the total market of shoppers in South Africa, only 18% of people who shop actually shop online. So that's actually quite a small percentage of the total South African market that would 
shop, you know. So then if you take that 18%, who are they? What do they do? And you then you dive into things like, well, the overwhelming majority of those who tend to shop online shop for fashion and accessories. Um, and then secondly, you know, foods and grocery shoppings and stuff. And then further down, you find things like technology or, you know, so success of an e-commerce platform isn't necessarily always about the platform itself. It's also about understanding the audience. So if you go and put together a nursery e-commerce where you can buy plants online and you're going, she shock, like my site's rubbish. I'm only getting like a 0.2% conversion rate. I'd probably come to you and say, okay, cool. That's, that's fine. Well, let, let's, let's look at the site, but let's also look at the propensity for people to buy plants online, <laughs> you know, because yes. if, if the total market is so tiny and small of those people who buy plants online, um, you know, then, then maybe 0.2% is actually good, you know, as a conversion rate. Um, so, so that's one thing we've learned is, yes, e-commerce is, is about the site. It's about trustworthiness, making it easy to navigate, making, you know, sure that you deliver on time, managing that reputation. But it's also so much about understanding the market and what to expect. So, so it's, 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 it's very complicated, I think, uh, to, yeah. to, to kind of look at that. But, but then you look at someone like Take A Lot, who takes the lion's share of online e-commerce. Um, I think uh, 60% of all e-commerce happens through take lots and they have a conversion rate, I reckon, of about 70%, which is massive. It's, it's, it's a really good uh, conversion rate. But then again, they are the pinnacle of e-commerce. Yeah, they are. And John, what's the differential? Why would take lot have such a large market share? Have they obviously understand their market? As you've indicated before, they've done the research. Or do you believe it's maybe the distribution channels they have behind it to deliver on time? So I think it's all of that. You know, um, you, you you have to take into account brand reputation and all that stuff, like you mentioned before. So I trust take a lot. You know, you you rock up to some random site you've never seen before and, and you can buy, let's say, a mug. You know, it's not a lot of money, but you go, mm, do I trust the site to deliver? Do I trust them to deliver on time? I'm not sure. So you go to take a lot, so you see the same mug and you buy it there because you know they deliver you. It's, you've done it a hundred times before. Um, so it's definitely got to do with that. But secondly, also has to do with price. So the, the fact of the matter is that when people are shopping online, unless it's a destination store, like I know I want to buy from H&M or I know I want to buy from Superdry today. You're going to go to Superdry's uh, website and you're going to buy Superdry. So that's a different story. But when it comes to gadgets and, you know, yuppie chef type mugs and cutlery and all that kind of stuff, people window shop. The average person who shops online goes probably looking at about four to five different sites before they make a purchase. And within that journey is price. Price is literally the differentiator between buying from you or not. So nine times out of 10, I believe the tech lot's going to have the better price and therefore they see the biggest conversion. Um, you know, branded e-commerce is, is also quite a tricky thing because you have, you know, let's say um, a brand in South Africa that sells its own product, but also through, through a distribution network. So let's say you're selling your own, um, let's say, brand of table. It's, it's, it's you, but this brand of table is also available on Take-A-Lot. If Take-A-Lot's got a better price, then... <laughs> People are going to buy from them as opposed to you and who's the actual brand owner. Um, 
is that an indictment on your site? Well, probably not. It's probably got everything just to do with price. So, uh, so e-commerce is very nuanced. It's very complicated. Um, and I think South, the South African market hardly understands e-commerce enough to, dis- to decide what is successful or not. Yeah, it's certainly been a new thing for the South African market over the last couple of couple of months, particularly. Yes, but so, exactly. Like if, we, if we move from from digital marketing in terms of e-commerce to service organisations, how do you see the difference in terms of those uh, websites and development of those service offerings? Because there you don't have you don't have a tangible asset to sell and just. Hmm. So look, I mean, in in those instances. I mean, I would assume that most of your services-based businesses are sort of business-to-business, not necessarily business-to-consumer. I mean, you have services-based businesses that are, uh, you know, service the end user, the consumer. But let's say the bulk of them are business-to-business. In that case, absolutely, we've seen a lot of um, we've seen a lot of services-based businesses want to redo their sites, but in but in order to to participate in best practice for search engine optimization. Because if, if, if people aren't gonna drive past your building or they're not going to see you on a billboard or you know, et cetera, uh, then you should have to come up on, on, on Google search. You know, like if we look at something like, like insurance, um, you know, if, if, if I'm not going to drive past you know, our insurance is building or see billboards anymore, et cetera. I'm going to see them online. So what we're seeing is that a lot of businesses are investing in good SEO practice. So uh, ranking um, organically on, on search engines. Um, so yes, it's not a tangible product, but they, they want to make sure that they're getting the leads, you know? So, so that's more of like a leads business as opposed to a, you know, buying a product online. Um, and a lead is, is only as good as what it's qualified, you know, so we can drive leads, but if they're not qualified, um, it, it, it probably doesn't mean anything to you at the end of the day. Yeah, certainly. In terms of um, online presence, it probably takes a lot of effort and focus in terms of it. What are the biggest mistakes you've seen businesses make on the online space? Yeah, so, so I think there's, there's a few, just, just offhand, um, it would probably come down to branding. So this is this is probably just a. It, it's probably not even an online thing. It's it's a brand thing. So um, where you may find that some businesses don't know how to show up online. So they've traditionally only ever shown up uh, well uh, within you know traditional marketing, but all of a sudden they need to not show up online, and they're not showing up well as a brand. Uh, you know, you may find that. Uh, the logo doesn't look good uh, online. It's 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 too complicated. It you know it, it doesn't doesn't grab people's attention. Or um, you know what we're seeing now is a lot of smartphones, a lot of laptops have what we call light and dark mode. So um, you know at night your phone enters dark mode where everything's darkened and and, and blackened out, and during the day um, it's 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 light. You know so. Does your brand show up well with a dark background, and does it show up well with a light background? Uh, Google recently went through a rebrand, and everyone hated it. But I thought it was absolutely magnificent because what they've done is they've built a, a, a brand uh, that shows up really well in both light and dark mode online. And I think that that therein lies the, the, the success of branding online. So. I think businesses who understand that brandings are a completely different animal online are those who, who do well. Secondly, I think that 
um, you know, those those businesses who 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 take seriously um, the the type of content and messaging they put out. There's nothing worse than seeing an ad that's not relevant to me. You know, you're watching YouTube, you're on Facebook, or you're you're on a site, and there's an ad that comes up that is absolutely not applicable to you. And you're like, well, that's just a waste. It's a waste of first of all, the advertiser's money because I'm not the target mm. audience. And, uh, and also it's just poor, it's poor quality. I was, <laughs> I was browsing through Instagram yesterday and one, uh, a competitor to one of our clients came up and it was a horrible ad. It was terrible. It looked like something you find at the back of, uh, you know, the classifieds in the newspaper with just lots of pictures on it and lots of, it's just it's like, what is going on here? You know, like that, you're not doing yourself any favors. <laughs> so I think that, um, you know, businesses really need to pay attention to um, consumer um, behavior online and go, I need to make sure that I'm relevant. I need to make sure that um, the type of messaging and content I'm putting out is, uh, is relevant. And, and, and I think in, in that instance, you'll, you'll always uh, be hitting the nail on the head. Yeah, so it's back to you to know your market once again, as you said earlier. Yeah. So, John, what are your biggest tips for businesses looking to build an e-commerce site or even improve their current presence to have? So, I think the, the, the biggest tip is, uh, is to, first of all, understand your audience. Do the research. You know, understand, first of all, is your market even ready to buy your product online? Um, and then, from there, invest in good user experience design. Um, you know, in its, in, its, in its really dumbed down form, think about Think about a store that you go into where uh, there's a queue to then, you know, where, where you line up in a queue to then go to a till for checkout versus where you stand there and you try and see which till has got the shortest queue and then make, you just hope to God you chose the right queue. That's, that's your user experience in its simplest form. Um, you know, or like when, when, you, when you see elevators uh, at, at hotels and you, and some, some, some elevators you, you hit the, go up button and it tells you which elevator to go stand in front of others. You just hope that the you're closest to the one that opens first. You know, that, that again is user experience in its most simple form and that applies to online. So, and I don't think that that's the South African market likes to invest in user experience. You know, it's uh, sometimes the cost can be quite astronomical, <laughs> but it's totally worth it because what you're doing is you're investing in, the practice that says this is going to be the best way uh, to create the most seamless experience for someone to be able to do business with you. Um, but often what we, we do is we say, no, we don't need that. Let's jump straight into the, the user interface design, which is the pretty pictures. And then let's, let's just develop this thing. Um, and then what happens is that the site gets redone a year later or two years later. And then, and then the money you spent on it's now, you know, worth nothing versus had you spent the time on investing in really good sound user experience design. It may have cost you more, but now the site is future-proof and it's there for, for five years, you know? So, so I think that um, the tip I have is don't overlook things like the, the, the non-sexy stuff, <laughs> if I can call it that, <laughs> where, you, where, where you're actually spending time mapping out how does a user actually get to do business with me, you know? And, and I think that's valid for any business, really. No, it certainly is. 
Jokini, your comment on um, the costs are quite significant, and, and they certainly are for online commerce. Mm. What can organizers do to get the share of visibility in online space, considering the, the cost element of two? Well, the beautiful thing about the, the online space is that you don't have to go and spend 35,000 rand a month for a billboard and then hope the right people see it. Um, you, you can spend a fraction of that online and you can still target the right people. Um, you know, I've, I've often been targeted, you know, for uh, sort of business coaching stuff or uh, enterprise leadership, uh, you know, type programs of businesses I've never heard of in my life before. I didn't even know these businesses existed, but because they target me as a business owner, they're definitely speaking to the right person about the right thing. And, um, and I think that it's not costing them as much, you know, to, to, to be able to speak to someone like me. So, so I think that's the beauty of, of the online space is um, even as a small player, yes, you'll never be able to outbid or, or out, uh, you know, out advertise the, the big guys in the industry. They'll always out, outbid you. You know, if you go online and you want to search for a product nine times out of 10, uh, you're going to see the big guys advertising, you know, and, but the beauty is that there are things you can do to win, like just really good SEO practice. It's not paid for advertising, but if you, if your site adheres to Google's algorithms, uh, you are going to come out top. You can beat uh, your competitors. You can you can beat the the category leaders if you want. If you really pay attention to it, so so that's what you know. That's what I would say. Well, thank you for your time, Joe. Much appreciate it. It's a pleasure. That was conversations in business with RSM. Experience the power of being understood. Experience RSM. Visit rsmza.co.za.